So hello and welcome to our Mastering Your Virtual Communication series. I'm so pleased that you have chosen to be with us here uh, today. My name is Tom Miller, and this is going to be great, great information uh, for you. And I believe it has the power to change, to change your life. And because everybody, I believe everybody needs to become and learn how to become a better communicator. And over this next 75 to maybe 90 minutes, you know, all depending on how long some of our work sessions goes, you know, we'll, we'll look at um, uh, about five things. I have about five areas, five strategies, plans, five tips for you that you can do right away. Starting tomorrow, you will be able to implement these and you will start to see yourselves become 10 times the communicator that you are. And we're also gonna look back at some of the biggest mistakes uh, that I have made in communication and a lot of people making communication, especially virtual communication. So I've actually started, I, I gave the you know first one, I, I wasn't sure if my audio was working. So we'll learn that your audio in a virtual conversation in a virtual communication is by far the most important. And so, uh, so I just, you know, that's what I wanted to check where you all were hearing me. And so I made a, a second, uh, you know, change. I'm going to, I'm going to hop in here and hope that my internet stays strong so you all can hear me. And so, so, so there's your first tip, everybody write that down. Being, having strong audio is the critical, critical component. Uh, to effective effective com communication uh, virtually and not doing that not checking ahead of time can be detrimental because <laughs> people will check out very very early so um, yeah so I uh, said I had to do that whole hearing thing with one of my class today so yeah it's it's really really important uh, you know to make sure that you're practicing on uh, the front end and I think my audio was okay but I but I wanted to make sure so all right so let's, so let's get going because we have a lot to learn and little bit of time for us. All right. So let me start uh, first uh, by just talking about specifically what we're going to cover and what we're going uh, to learn today. So first of all, we're going to learn key strategies for connecting through a virtual and live environment. And for each one of these that you think uh, is something that you want to learn more, you know, give me a yes in the chat box or, or um, uh, uh, an amen or a thumbs up or anything that you want to do. Because I want to make sure that what I'm going to cover is what you feel would benefit you as a, whether you're a teacher, a uh, principal, um, a coach, or you strive to be anything more than you are right now in a professional world. I think these things are important. So you're also going to leave, and I've already put them, you've already should have received uh, the access to the Google Drive. There's some specific resources for you to communicate how to better communicate information directly to your team to make sure the work gets done. So if you want work to get done on your team, or if you want your students to um, accomplish higher level work, give me a yes in the chat box on that one. Uh, another thing we're going to cover today is to learn how to overcome any fears of conflict and provide timely and effective feedback. So if you want to be able to overcome any fears and conflict and, and uh, provide timely um, and effective feedback, give me a yes on that one. And then lastly, improve your overall connection to people through practices and uh, principles. If that's something that you feel is important to you, uh, then, then, let's, then let's hear it as well. 
Cool. I got lots of lots of folks in the chat box saying yes to a bunch of them. All right, excellent. And this is, you know, this is not just going to be me talking. I know I, I put you on the mute uh, for now, but I will certainly open you guys up in a little bit so we can have some good discussion here because communication goes multiple, multiple directions. All right, so let's get to it now. Now, obviously, we cannot cover everything in 90 minutes, all right, about communication. I'm 44 years old, and, and believe me, I am learning, learning, learning every single day. But what, what I will tell you is that, you know, if you're at the end of our teacher leader uh, program, or if you're in one of our other programs, or you've never been in any of our programs uh, before, I'm going to let you know about something that you can do after this to continue to grow your communication skills. Uh, because I, you know, I believe, right, and not only why I believe communication is uh, critical, but there's lots of data. So this is just pre-COVID, right? So pre-COVID-19, according to research, 40%, and I want you it's okay to raise your hand in here if, this is, if you're one of the 40%. 40% of workers reported that their job was very or extremely stressful. And alarmingly, 25% viewed their jobs as the number one stressor in their lives, right? This is pre-COVID. I mean, imagine this. 40% of workers say that their job is stressful. And we know that stress has serious side effects, right? Physical, mental, behavioral and then according to another study, that this, this translated, this stress translated to financial losses of $602 per employee per year for every missed workday, right? Or, or, you know, whatever, or, you know, maybe they just weren't feeling at their best at that day. So that, that's $300 billion annually for healthcare. So if you don't think that this is important, right? Because I, I believe that one of the major reasons for stress in organizations is poor or lack of communication. And give me a yes if, if, if I'm even halfway right, right? And it doesn't get addressed in workplaces too often. And sometimes people in major positions are some of our worst communicators. And we'll talk about that. We'll talk about you know, uh, some of the things that we're doing wrong in communication. So I believe that poor communication is a major factor in stress and poor workplace conditions, and therefore is a major leader to health problems, and obviously turnover and all those other things. And turnover is extremely expensive. If you were on our hiring uh, workshop that we did um, uh, just a few months ago, uh, it's, it's, Turnover is one and a half to two times the employee's overall salary. That's the overall cost to the organization when it comes to loss of intellectual property, loss of time, marketing, resources, training. I mean, think about that. Take your salary and times it by one and a half to two times, and that's how much it's going to cost the organization on the back end to replace you. And I totally believe that communication is a big part of this. And I've got some some uh, chats here. So yes, yeah, so some more yes, timely and effective. Yeah, perfect. All right. Okay. So again, why you might listen, if this is the first time that you've heard me live, because I know over the Teacher Leader Consortium, we, we've had a couple of guest speakers. So I haven't been with you all in, in some time and I missed you. So there's no way I was missing this session. Uh, but, but I'm a former exceptional children's teacher. I was a uh, principal at a charter school, middle school, 
And that's where I wrote my dissertation on the characteristics of effective charter schools. I know you've all read it. It's a massive page turner. It's so fun. Uh, and that's when I started working with the Office of Charter Schools for a couple of years here in North Carolina. Um, I, and then I started my own business. I started my own business six years ago. We just had our sixth birthday. I'm still trying to find time to have the birthday party, but I'll make sure you're all invited. And I'm a member of the world's largest leadership training company, and that's the John Maxwell team. And so that's where I've really learned about communication and really learned how, how to hopefully uh, connect at a higher level and uh, provide better training. And I've trained and coached over 10,000 people over the last five years. Uh, so it's really exciting for you all to be part of that. And the only reason I know I've done 10,000 is because I've given over, away over 10,000 pens in that time. And that's a lot of pens. So if you come to one of our trainings face-to-face, -face, you usually get a pen and some Post-its. And I know that I've had uh, that uh, many. So, um, and I'm learning every day. And learning is required when it comes to communication. You have to be constantly uh, focused on, on growing yourself and growing your ability to communicate and connect with others. And if you're not working on it, um, that could be one reason that you might be feeling stuck, right? Uh, you've got to grow yourself uh, in order to move to that next uh, direction. So, so awesome. So thanks, thanks for joining us. You're in the right spot. I guarantee you're going to walk away with one, at least one really great strategy that you can implement uh, tomorrow. And uh, make sure you let us know where you're coming from in the chat box. And hopefully you downloaded the uh, worksheets uh, because we'll have a chance to use them. And you can, uh, you know, I'll, I'll uh, put them up on the screen so you don't necessarily have to print them. Uh, but if you have a notebook, uh, it'd be great because we'll actually practice a couple pieces uh, today. So let's get, let's get started, shall we? Let's get started. Um, this is probably where I learned my most communication with my family. Uh, my wife, uh, Jennifer, who we met in seventh grade. Uh, so we've known each other for over 30 years now. My daughter, Devin, who's going to be a rising seventh grader at Explorers, and my son, uh, Matthew, and our dog, Dorsey. Uh, constantly, constantly communication is huge in our house. And uh, over the last three or four months of COVID, we've certainly got to know each other at a whole nother level because we've spent so much time with each other. But if you want to really increase and improve your communication, what better place to learn and to practice than with your own family? Right, because if communicating is uh, connecting and relating with people, um, you know the people in your family is who you want to be able to communicate uh, best with uh, by far. Even though you probably spend, because you're all teachers or principals on this call, you probably spend more time with your teacher colleagues than sometimes you do your family because our work days are so long. And I would know that because right now I am the interim principal of a charter school in uh, Wake County. And uh, those uh, teachers, and they were working extremely hard uh, to get this school ready. And coming into an organization fresh and only been there three weeks, I mean, I have been practicing and practicing and practicing how to effectively communicate and identifying where their communication challenges are typically coming from. So, all right, let's get going. Let's get going. So, uh, 4th of July. Now, this is pre-COVID. Let me just start with a, with a little story here. Um, my daughter and I, um, we were uh, going to a barbecue. And, um, and, and so at the barbecue, lots of, you know, lots of people around, obviously. And we had heard that um, kids, kids were going to go out. 
and and uh, and uh, do some fireworks with the adults, right? And so neither my daughter or I like fireworks, uh, but you know we always enjoy a show and we love people watching. So we went outside and we sat on the on the bumper of the back of my car, and it's a hatchback. So we uh, put the hatchback up, and she was sitting in the back there. And so you know uh, they were shooting off uh, bottle rockets, and if you've never seen a bottle rocket, it you know has um, uh, like a, a firecracker uh, on the end and a long, long stick, right? And so, so it, you know, if you take like a bottle, like a water bottle or whatever, you know, that's what they tried first. They put the stick in the water bottle and it was like shooting and firing all over the place. And it was really bad. And uh, we were like, oh my gosh, this is gonna be awful. But they were showing, you know, the kids how you light, you light the bottle rocket from, from the bottom. There's, there's, there's just a rocket and there's a little thing. So this was, you know, uh, going off and it was in a community in Wake Forest. So there's lots of houses and everything going around. So then a little bit later, uh, one of the adults pulled out a Roman candle. And if you've never seen a Roman candle, uh, it looks exactly like a candle. They're about a foot long. And they actually shoot these like fireballs from the top and they shoot them out, right? So when you hold the Roman candle, you hold it away from your body. It's not like the bottle rocket where you, where you put it inside something, right? So, so at this time, you know, so some guy shot off like a couple of Roman candles and it was loud and I was like, okay, great. So then, you know, folks kind of got distracted and they started to play basketball Well, there was one teenager who continued to light, you know, bottle rockets. And so I'm just watching him and he's doing a pretty good job. He's, you know, staying safe. And then he walks and he moseys over to the Roman candle. Now, if you've never lit a Roman candle before, unlike the bottle rocket, you light the where the actual fireballs go off in a roman candle right you actually like a candle you light the top but this young man has only been taught to light the bottle rocket from the bottom so i'm sitting there watching him pick up the bottle rocket and i'm watching him light the bottom of of the uh, roman candle right and i don't know his name so i just start yelling uh you hey uh, it's somebody and and all of a sudden his mom comes up and she yells johnny put it down and so, but he does get it going and he, and he drops it because he realizes that, oh my gosh, I've lit the side that the, that the fireballs are going to come out. And all of a sudden, everybody playing basketball and everybody at the barbecue starts to scatter because there are fireballs flying all over uh, the place. Now, remember my daughter was in the car. And so as it, as it fell, it started to roll and it rolled and it pointed directly at my daughter and I, and I think she was like eight at the time. And so they start shooting at us. Well, I run away because I hate fireworks. So I start running away, away from the car and three or four uh, go off and, uh, whew, and I'm done. And everybody's looking around and everybody's yelling at the poor kid. And I turn around and I look at my daughter and there she is in like a fetal position in the car. And I look over, I said, are you okay? And she just, you know, like a preteen and looks at me and says, I'm going inside. The level of disappointment in me as a, as, a, as a dad to, you know, protect his daughter was just, you know, overwhelmingly sad on, on my case. And as, and as I sat there and I reflected on the story or on the situation, I was like, how did this happen? Like, how did, how did we go from lighting safe, somewhat bottle rockets in an organized way to all of a sudden chaos? And then it hit me. It was just one decision, right? One decision to not follow up with an expectation, right? 
the health in the relationship of a team is always going to be the function, right, of the average lag time between identifying a problem and addressing the problem, right? Think about this in your organization. You see someone do something wrong, yet do I have the time to tell him right now? Is it that important that I tell him right now? And all of a sudden, a couple of days later, right, maybe you get back to that point or whatever that may be. And there's actually was a, uh, uh, some work and some research done that's showing that the average lag time, right, between identifying a problem and actually communicating the problem is three days. And it costs organizations almost $3,000 per day per lag time, right? So you're wasting sometimes, if you wait a week between communicating what the problem was, right, to how to fix the problem, if you wait a week, that's $21,000. So just think about this. Now, teacher leaders on this call, now you just think about it. Think about right now how many things you see per day where problems are not communicated. I just spent time with a leadership team and some teachers at the school that I'm at, and they were telling me about, well, this is great, Dr. Miller, that we have a handbook and we're going through it, but nobody really follows any of these things. I mean, at the start of the school year, we go over the handbook and there's some rules written here, but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> so here we go. So because nobody has communicated the fact that there's no accountability behind the issue, and we're talking about almost a whole school year, and this school is not brand new, it's an old school. You're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars lost in probably teacher turnover, student loss, attrition, and just think about all the other issues, right? Maybe there's a teacher who doesn't return a call to the parents on time. Maybe you got other teachers who show up late. Don't you love that teacher leaders when other teachers show up late to meetings or show up to work? And you've maybe been there for hours, right? Or maybe other people are missing deadlines on uh, reports or the reports are not accurate. Maybe there's no sub lessons for one of your colleagues and you have to now cover 50 students instead of the 25 that you may normally have. Give me a yes in the chat box if I'm making any sense. Like they, you guys have seen these problems in schools or are your schools perfect? that they don't have these things. Unprepared teachers, students disrupting lessons. You know, you know, maybe parents just showing up in the middle of your day, right? And you're trying to teach and you're going through like the Pythagorean theorem and all of a sudden, you know, Johnny's mom is waiting at the door to talk to you because for some reason, nobody communicated to her. You can't come into school, right? All of these things, the list is endless. And so the gap in the, the, the first thing we're gonna learn that the gap in communication typically begins with the expectation, right? So just like that young teenager, you know, he was taught how to communicate, you know, he was taught and communicated to how to light the bottle rocket, how to light a firecracker, but he only observed the Roman candle, right? He didn't experience the Roman candle. He wasn't modeled the Roman candle. He wasn't taught explicitly. He wasn't given explicit communication and expectations around the Roman candle. And when all it may have taken was a couple minute conversation. Right? Now, that's just one small example. When I was, when I was a principal, I had a teacher. And, uh, and this you know, teacher left in October. 
because we were a year-round school and we had this fall break. So she was a veteran teacher and she uh, basically quit on a Friday because she had to start her new job on Monday. And I was like, what? You're not like coming back at all? You're not going to do anything? She's like, no, we were just done. So I had to find this spot like immediately. And then within the first week, we're like, well, let's just do an inner, uh, you, you know, hire. We had a teacher assistant who wanted to be a, a middle school teacher and she was actually teaching kindergarten at the time. So I said, okay, let's just do that. We bring her in into the position and she lasted two days, two, two whole days is what she lasted because she did not realize because I guess it wasn't communicated the expectation that you can't put your hands on middle school kids and maybe help them get into line like you can kindergarten students. <laughs> so that was a big issue, right? Live and learn. So we had to find another teacher in a very short uh, notice and we found this really great content specialist. She looked apart, she dressed apart, and oh my gosh, did she have that class in shape like in two weeks and it was fantastic. And I was able to finally move my desk out of the seventh grade science classroom and actually get to you know, uh, uh, some other principal work. But what she missed was that start of the year communication, you know, that great work that you all, you know, some of you are starting to do, or maybe some of you have already just uh, finished up because you started classes. And that's the expectations for the year, how we're going to do PLCs, how, how we're going to communicate to parents, all that great conversation that occurs and those commitments that you make at the beginning of the year. So you wouldn't be surprised that, you know, maybe a week or two into her time, I was starting to hear some whispers that, she wasn't attending every PLC meeting. And sometimes when we had like a staff meeting, you know, she would say, well, I just can't come because I got so much to do. You know, those kids are so far behind because nobody was teaching them. Okay, 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 all right. Just, just make sure you uh, communicate with your colleagues because honestly, I just didn't want to go back in that seventh grade class. It would have been our fourth teacher in four months being in that classroom, I didn't care. But then the whispers started to turn into screams from the staff members about not being there, not being part of the team, being rude. And then some of the students even started to pull me aside and said, you know, Dr. Miller, when you walk out of the classroom, things are different. <laughs> but again, I didn't care because I just wanted to get through the year and we were almost there. It was about March. Until finally, all of those complaints finally came to a halt when one parent called me at 10 o'clock at night crying of how this teacher had just treated her on, on the telephone. So this was a, a uh, Thursday. And so I was like, that's it. So in the morning, I called my, I called my um, best substitute and I said, hey, can you be prepared in the morning? Uh, I may need you to take over a class. And she's like, sure. So I get there. Now I knew this teacher was always, always at the copier between 7.15 and 7.30 because she always had a lot of stuff going on. She always had a lot of worksheets and things happening. So I made sure that I got there and I was waiting at the copier and she never showed up. And I'm like, oh no. So I went down to her classroom and that's where she was. And I saw this massive telephone book like size of uh, copies. I'm like, oh gosh, the end of the quarter, uh, you know, terms are up, right? They're doing benchmarks today. So I said, hey, can you, can you put those down? I just wanted to talk to you about a couple of things. And I just let her know. I said, you know, with EOGs coming up and, and you know, there's just a lot of stress happening in the school. And, I, you, know, I, you know, I got this phone call last night and I, and I was just really thinking, you know, maybe, maybe it's just time that we just kind of call this off. And, and, and 
and you don't have to come back to work anymore, but I'm going to pay you for the rest of the year. I just, I just think it would be best for everybody if, um, if we just parted ways now. Well, you should have seen the look on her face. She immediately, if anybody has seen a San, uh, Sanford and Sons, you know, he would be like wheezy, holding his, holding his chest. And she started to almost faint. So I went to, to reach to help her because I thought she was going to hit her head on something. And she's like, don't touch me, you know. And, and she immediately took a look over at her laptop. And she ran over to her laptop. And she started to, like, do stuff. And then I just walked over and tried to gently close the – I said, please, come on. It doesn't have to be like this. It just, it just didn't work out and things are going to be fine and you're going to have an opportunity to go find a different place and, and uh, you know, I'm going to make sure you get paid for the rest of the year. And then she looked one more time and she saw that telephone book size of, of you know, copies, right? And so she runs over and she grabs it and she starts to try to tear. And I was like, I had to walk over and said, please, please, relax, relax. It's all going to be fine. By that time, the assistant principal had finally showed up. <laughs> He's like, what's going on? Are you okay? And so I was able to get her to leave and to grab her things. Now, by this time, remember it was the morning, I could hear the middle schoolers, you know, waiting at the door to come in. So I walked over and I unlocked the door. And I said, uh, you know, I thanked the uh, substitute and the kids came in. And, and um, I immediately called my boss to let him know what, what had happened, you know, you know and, and, and uh, he said, is she okay? I said, uh, yeah. I said, I'm going to have the SRO kind of follow her home to make sure she gets there. And he said, so what did you learn? I said, well, uh, not to fire people on Thursday mornings. He's like, no, that's just obvious. That was just dumb to do that. He said, what did you really learn? I was like, I'm terrible at hiring people. He's like, no, you got to shovel the pile when it's small. And so what that means is that the first time that you hear a problem, the first time that you see a problem, you have to address the problem and get clarity around what that problem actually is, okay? Because any expectation not communicated is just merely a thought. So between the Roman candle experience and that teacher experience, and I'm sure I could probably think of a hundred more, what I want you to get very, very good at is communicating your expectations, right? Because it's something that I definitely know that I struggle at at times, right? I have to work at daily and always working with my students because if I don't communicate my expectations and they're in my head that these are my expectations, but I haven't told you that they're my expectations and I haven't followed up to make sure you know what my expectations are and the clarity is, I'm going to allow my faulty assumptions about you close that gap, right? Which never leads to great results. What I've seen from leaders and just humans in general, that that lack of clarity and, and, and clearly understood and communicated expectations is the number one reason that I see for broken relationships, poor performing teams, and most of them turn into giant conflicts. And, you know, give me a yes in the chat box if you've seen this happen before, like the gap explodes. And as a result, the organization suffers and people quit, right? Because people don't quit organizations, people quit other people. And it typically comes from not communicating when you immediately see the issue or just have an inkling that there's 
a problem. So I want to get through um, these seven steps, but I also want to make sure you take out your, your vision gap, um, vision, vision reality, um, what is it? Vision reality opportunity worksheet. And we're going to pull it out here in a second. Uh, let me get back to sharing my screen and let me check the chat box to see if I missed any questions. So feel free to stop me on the road if there's, you know, something that I'm saying. Yep. Great leadership is what always makes a difference. That's awesome. All right, let me come back into this, into this screen here. So as we talk about these, you know, uh, seven steps, I want to, I just want to come back to why communicating and connecting is so, is so important. There, there, you know, this, this, this program is all about, it's all about influence, right? We've talked about that leadership is influence and leadership really comes from the ability to communicate at a high level, right? You build influence by communicating expectations or communicating what you're going to do and then actually doing it, right? That's how trust is built, right? You keep, you make a commitment verbally or on paper and then you keep it, you build trust, trust builds influence and move forward. But there was a study also done on what were the five qualities, right? Of the most successful uh, presidents and four of them, right? Uh, had, had to do with being able to communicate and connect with people. So, so what we're about to go through this seven step, you know, process here, the first one is we got to be able to communicate our vision, right? So if you go back to those two stories, if my vision, right, if I was in charge of that barbecue or if my vision was being in charge of the fireworks, I would have a vision that, hey, safety is number one. We're going to make sure nobody lights anything without an adult around. You know, we're going to communicate all of these pieces or Roman candles should only be done here with an adult and bottle rockets should only be done over here with this. I've got to have the vision first, right? Consensus building charisma and trustworthiness, but we're going to really going to be talking about uh, vision and we're going to look at this, at this, at this screen here too, but right, go back to my stories, you know, think through this leading through complex times We're we're, we're, we're working overtime right now to open our schools, mainly because our lack of vision, right? Our vision isn't specifically clear about how we're going to best educate students in a digital learning environment, right? And that's where part of the struggle is. And, and without, without vision, right, without faith in the future, you know, people perish. And so I want to get really clear. The first piece of creating expectations and communicating expectations is having a strong vision of what it is you want to see. And I'll make sure we're going to talk about this more later, this, uh, this um, grid here, and you'll have um, access to it. But so why, why should you be communicating, right? That it's, we've talked about this. It's the number one skill that leads to professional advancement. I mean, even though, yes, some of the leaders that you may have worked with or worked for aren't, are not the best communicators, but when you think about the best leaders that you followed, what skill did they have? It's definitely communication and connecting and the ability to build relationships with people. And this is, this is from John Maxwell's book, Everyone Communicates Few, 
connect. But this is what they found, that the difference between you know, high achievers and low achievers is that high achieving people really care about their people. So that means that they're working hard to communicate and uh, connect compared to low achievers are more preoccupied with their own security. Right? And the other piece, the other two that are really, really important here that I look at is, is that, that high achievers seek advice from those under them. So that means that they're communicating and they're asking questions and they're taking the time to actively listen compared to low achievers don't seek advice and they avoid communication. So it's important that you, that you remember that at any time, right, at any time uh, in your leadership role right now, classroom, teacher, school-wide, organization, whatever it might be, if you want to be a high achiever, you have to, you have to increase your ability to communicate and connect with uh, people. And so the individuals who are not strong at connecting, you know what, they typically actually don't even know, right? They don't spend that time. Like Callie said, she, so like I spent the day, you know, making sure that my audio works. Like she was intentional about knowing that my ability to communicate and connect was going to have to do with whether or not my students could hear me or you know, whoever else she may ha you know, have been talking to. So again, this is from John's, everyone communicates for you connect, but these are, these are nine connecting signals, right? That, that, that uh, the most, the highest achieving leaders uh, follow. Okay? They make that extra effort. Okay? They, they, they always uh, uh, look to give appreciation and gratitude towards those without, you know, without having to, <laughs> right? They demonstrate trust. They create enjoyable experiences. They, they express themselves more readily. They always have a positive energy. Like you be around those really high achieving, connecting communicators. It always seems like they just, they just always bring so much energy right into the room. As soon as they walk in, they have this synergy about them and this unconditional love. We've, we've talked about this program. It's all about putting a 10 on the head of all of your students that you lead, all of your teacher colleagues, that you work with and collaborate with, right? Everybody on your team, uh, you know, putting a 10 on the head of everybody who's trying to make the best decision to keep our, you know, world and our school safe, right? When you have that unconditional love, it's easier to communicate and lead people because you cannot, I won't say you fully cannot, it is extremely hard to communicate and connect with people that you don't value, okay? So, Vision is really important to be able to gain that. Who is it that I want to be? What is it that we, we want to be able to, to um, achieve? So I'm going to come back to, to this part because I skipped one. So I want to make sure to, that we do our seven steps to clear expectations because that's, that's where we left off. All right. So number one, get really clear yourself on what it is that you want to see. So think about this. Think about that vision piece. It's hard to communicate something that you've either never achieved, something that you've never seen, something that you've never experienced, okay? So you gotta get crystal clear yourself if you want to uh, communicate clearer expectations, okay? The second one is that you need to decide where you need to set expectations. 
And as we later, we'll be talking about delegation and empowerment and the difference, but you need to decide where you need to set, set expectations. So most of you are uh, teachers on this call. So think about your expectations in your classroom. Like you realize where you need to set expectations based upon the, the systems or the procedures that are not working. Okay. So getting clear yourself is really about writing out almost and envisioning what is it all the things you want to happen and then say, okay, I need to set expectations here around this part of the table or when, when we're walking in the hallways or whatever that may be. It's no different when some of you eventually, or maybe you are right now, building principals or coaches or, or leading your own organizations or your communities, whatever it may be, where do I need to set expectations around this uh, to get here? understand the why we are doing it and give some context around it. Now, I, as I mentioned right now, I am the leader of an organization that is going through transition. Most of the things that we do and make changes on, I first ask, what, how have we done it before? And what was working about it and what's not? Okay, because I got to get that context before I can communicate why we're going to change. If I just come in and start changing everything, folks are going to start getting really weary about their job and their place and the change. So part of your job as a leader, whether you're communicating, again, to your team, to your class and your organization, what is really to understand the why behind what is it you're trying to achieve and give that context. Okay, and that starts by just, you know, really asking questions. Okay, the next one is going to meet with your employees or meet with your team members or to meet with your student mates, your students and communicate those expectations out. So for example, maybe you've done this at your school and maybe you haven't, but uh, for our school, we are starting to work through what are the expectations of a student in digital learning? What are the expectations from a, from a parent in uh, digital learning? And what are the expectations of our employees? for that. So, and then we've got to be able to set those, communicate those, get their feedback on those so we can get the commitment. Okay. Cause I don't know what I don't know, but I'm going to get the better information from the boots on the ground people to be able to really set those expectations. So whatever role you may have in your school right now, you know, you, these first four steps are really critical to setting the foundation for uh, success. Now, after you've communicated those expectations, you can't just expect that they're going to happen. You have to come back around, you know, 24, 48 hours, or even maybe an hour later, and check in and inspect what you expect to occur. Next, you need to address those little things immediately. I just told you two horror stories between a Roman candle and that failed teacher transition and if we had more time I could probably think of a hundred more where I did not address little things immediately right you need to make big things out of little things so you can close that gap and that's where your vision reality opportunity worksheet is really going to help you and then lastly uh, you got to communicate that gap between the vision and the reality so if you've got your if you've got your worksheet right if you've got your worksheet, I thought I had a practice sheet up here. All right. If you've got your worksheet, new share here. Let me get to my new share. Here it is. 
Can you all see this close the leadership gap faster form? Is that what's coming up there? Someone give me a yes in the chat box. So framing your feedback, closing this leadership gap faster. So, so this is just an easy worksheet. You don't necessarily need the worksheet. You can just write down these three words or whatever you want. The vision is here's what I would have liked to have seen happen, right? You're communicating with clarity what your expectations were, right? It was, um, so for example, maybe you were, um, uh, you know, expecting everybody on your team to have their remote lessons recorded a week in advance. And, uh, but in reality is we only have like two lessons or not everybody did it on the team. Like you use the specific details against the reality. Don't just say I heard or I think uh, or someone told me, okay, uh, or I'm pretty sure, like get really clear because people are going to get their backs up if they, if they feel like they're being accused of something. Remember, we judge ourselves on our intentions and we judge other people on their results, okay? So you got your vision. This is what I would have liked to have seen happen. This is the reality. This is what actually happened. And then your, your opportunity. Here's how you can improve for next time, right? Here's how, here's how you know, we can get it. Maybe, you know, if it's, if it's that, you know, lesson or that example about, you know, remote learning, you know, maybe five days was, you know, too much, right? So I'm, I'm seeking to understand maybe what is, you know, possible. We thought five days is, you know, too much. Or maybe, oh, I realized what you did. You did 60-minute lessons. Could you just break them down into like 10-minute chunks, right? And every day kids are going to get 10 minutes or whatever that may be, like the opportunity to improve. And so just give me some feedback in the chat box or, or you know, actually what I'll do, um, just make sure you're muted on your side. I'll, I'll make sure everybody can unmute themselves if they want. And, and just, you know, talk to me about like, would this be helpful to you to be able to, to get really clear on what is it that you want to have seen happen, right? And this is what we've talked about when you're holding people accountable and expectations. Like, here's what we agreed to, right? Or here's what was communicated. Uh, but here's what I see happening. So help me understand. So then I can say, oh, okay, we're not going to do it that way anymore. This is the way that we need to do it moving forward. So I'm just wondering, so I see some yeses in the box, but I want to say like, like, can you think of a way that you could specifically use this structure and platform? And anybody can open themselves up and share, or if you want to put something in the chat box. They said a lot. Yeah. Go ahead, Callie. I was just going to say, I remember our first um, meeting as a cohort, we talked about communication and mm -hmm. very like direct communication. And I feel like in that vision, it would have to be very direct, like you had talked about in that first meeting. Yeah. And I mean, it could be any way that you want to uh, create it. You know, I think you need to know your team and you need to know the people around you. But being very clear is is important. But always remember, Callie, I've learned this the hard way. Leadership begins and ends with you, but it has nothing to do with you. So it can't always be your way either. Right. You got to come up with the best way that the, your team, based upon their skills and their and their uh, competency, can make that happen. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, because um, nobody wants to be micromanaged, right? And nobody wants to feel, ever feel incompetent either, 
and gosh, I know I have, I guarantee I have felt, I have made many people feel incompetent by my words and probably my body language and my tone. And gosh, I don't mean to do that. Um, I've got to work on that. But those are things that we have to realize as we're coming to someone to give them feedback. Because imagine if you gave them feedback like this and you did it in the wrong way, it's, it's not going to, it's not going to, it's not going to connect. You know, you can say the right thing in the wrong tone and, um, and make that be an issue, which we're going to talk about body language here in a second. So what else is anybody thinking through? I see, I see there's a couple more chats here. It's a good reflection tool. When things don't go well, we could use it to reevaluate re how we reach out. Yep. You can use it with uh, behavior issues in your classroom. Absolutely. Right. And that's a good one. I mean, students could actually use that. I mean, it really is like a behavior reflection log. This is what the rule is, right? This is what I did. So here's my opportunity to improve it. It'd be interesting to get their interpretation of what the rule is and what it looks like. You could just ask them. Okay, well, what does this look like to you? Like, for example, work starts at 7.30. What does that mean to you? Does that mean I'm walking in the door at 7.30? Does that mean I'm sitting at my chair at 7.30? At my door greeting kids at 7.30? Right? Or the report's due on Friday. Friday at midnight? All right? Or like, you know, Friday 11.59 p.m.? Friday close of business? Like, so if we're not explicit with our communication, like deadlines, I know how a lot of people love deadlines, like I need this by X day to help you better plan. I didn't know that through uh, a big part of my early career. I'm still working on that and, and trying to get better. Can you all see my uh, PowerPoint again? Are you back to it? I'm gonna go back to the screen that I should have um, had previously. I know that was weird going all the way backwards. So we're good. Okay, cool. All right, so that's, that's your first one about explicit communication and ways to give feedback. And so let's just talk about how this happens in a virtual way. So remember, people get distracted very easily. So here's, here's some things to avoid when you're in your virtual uh, background. And, and, and I can't see uh, myself in the screen, so hopefully I'm not probably um, messing up half of these rules here, right? Uh, I'll show my video panel so I can see myself. So one thing you want to do is you want to make sure that you have good lighting. And these four examples do not have good lighting. You don't want to be in front of a window, but you want a window in front of you so you have natural light, you know, coming in on you. You don't want to be in a dark part so then they can't see you. You don't want half your head or a black, you know, background light. So people become very distracted easily because they're going to instantly look at your background and see what's going on. Okay, we've already talked about audio being the probably the most important piece to make sure that you can hear. Like if the voice is going in and out, it's hard to stay in tune uh, with that, right? So audio is number one. Number two would be your lighting, making sure that your lighting is uh, working, okay? And then the other piece is don't, don't, you know, do this, right? Don't get way up on the camera screen. Don't, uh, don't, don't just have like, you know, like the kind of like the underneath of your nose, like nobody wants to see that. And definitely don't, you know, open up where you can only see part of somebody's head. Uh, these are things amazingly that I, I feel like I see all the time in, um, in uh, very important virtual meetings, you know, like major, you know, department meetings of our state, of our federal government, uh, or other cor corporations where you just see uh, a, a, a lack of attention 
to how you look in a in a, a visual screen, right? So you definitely want to stay um, centered in the camera in the screen here. This is a pretty good example. You want to make sure that you know um, that you take up most of the screen, but not all the screen. There's a really good balance that you have the ability to to look directly in in uh, to the camera. Be conscious of watching yourself uh, because if you're watching yourself in the actual you know, video, you're actually not looking into the camera. So if we're, if we're going to connect with somebody, you want to look directly in, in, uh, to the camera. You want to probably make sure if you're sitting down, like, like I keep on uh, uh, messing this up, you want to keep your hands in your lap so your shoulders are relaxed, so you look relaxed. Um, if you're standing, um, you, you, know, you want to keep your hands you know, kind of at your, at your belt, uh, not all over the place and you know, flaring because all this is distracting. And uh, you want to watch your facial tics as well. And I know I have a leaky face, so it's hard. This is something I have to keep on practicing is, um, you know, smile, right? But don't be distracting with your face. So one of the things I would highly recommend is that you spend time practicing and watching yourself in video and just say, would I watch me for 10 minutes? Would I listen to me for 30 minutes? You know, I've done three, four hour workshops virtually before. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, what, could I stand listening to myself for that long or how would that be? So it's important that you really remember that there is those three components to face-to-face -face communication and virtual is still face-to-face -face communication. So you've got your words that you use, your tone of voice and your body language are those three key aspects, right? They're the three that we have and body language is 55% of your communication and tone of voice is 38%. So you wanna be very conscious of both of those. What you look like and what you sound like is over 90% of the message you're conveying. So you can work really hard on the content and, and your PowerPoints and all these other things and whatever else that you're doing. But if you don't really focus and practice on you know, not looking distracting or intimidating through your body language and making sure that your tone of voice um, is, 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 you know, good and um, uh, enjoyable. And it doesn't, um, you know, it has, it has some intentionality around the pauses and, and how you use uh, certain words is really important. And so in our, you know, teacher leader uh, program, there's a couple of lessons. And as we move on to our master communication series, if you uh, you know, decide to come in with us, we're going to continue to run weekly uh, like a speakers club. And we're going to improve our communication and practice our communication on a weekly basis, especially looking at um, our, our you know, digital communication uh, because it's really important. I don't see digital communication going away. Even when COVID goes away and the coronavirus goes away, if you haven't, if you don't know this, most businesses have almost fully gone online, that a lot of people are working from home. And so, so the future uh, might be being able to effectively co communicate through a virtual, a virtual um, uh, platform. So some of you may you know, uh, become teachers at virtual schools, if that's what you like. If you're really finding a great you know, skill in this, you, gotta, you, know, you have to improve. Maybe you're going to move into adult learning. Maybe you're going to you know, become a coach and you're going to coach uh, people, um, whether it's in schools or, or, you know, other aspects. So, so learning how to communicate um, effectively virtually is critical, right? 
but it all starts with right these two start with your body language and your and your tone of voice are really really important so i'll stop the share there so we can make sure um, there's just a couple things i'll show you so here's what's bad about mine i have a window you can see over my left shoulder right so you can see the glare kind of on the side so that might be you know distracting to some i try to use an all white background most of the time i try not to use virtual backgrounds because sometimes you go like in and out of those um so uh and then i try to make sure that when i am um when i'm in the screen right i can i'm almost at eye level my camera is like right here so i just want to make sure that i do that so i don't want to get too close but sometimes I just realized in this last meeting I was in, I was just kind of leaning in and listening. And I was like, oh, that's probably, it might be intimidating to somebody. Let me make sure that I back up. So, you know, being able to check yourself is really, really important uh, during those, during those uh, pieces. So of these first two, so virtual communication, uh, connecting online and explicit communication. Tell me what's, what's, one, what's one good takeaway uh, so far? Like, are you learning anything? Is this worth your time? I guess is what I'm asking. So I can go on or you just say, I, Tom, I just gotta go. I can't listen to you anymore. So tell me what you got going on uh, there and then I'll get the next slide set up. I love the feedback so far, this is great. So this meeting's made me realize more than I need to vocalize my expectations and feelings rather than just uh, thinking them. Yeah, remember that, just write that down. Any expectation not communicated is a thought. And I remember earlier in my teacher days when I was, you know, I was one of those peer mentors and I got to observe a teacher and she was great. Um, uh, Julie Shiflett was her name and she was dynamic and the kids loved her and she was um, communicating for kids to go to centers. And she told them like, quiet as a mouse. Let's see if we can get there in less than 10 seconds. Like she was so explicit and the kids did it. And then seven minutes later, it was time to rotate. And she said, all right, everybody rotate. And it was gone, gone, gone. And things are just all over the place. And I could see like she was, you know, uh, disheartened. And I just said, it's okay. You just didn't tell them what to do. So they decided how to do it. That's all. You're just creating habits. So you just got, it's going to take habits to be able to get there. So um, this is exactly what you did with your kids today. Great. We talked about how to present our best self when in our Zoom class. Yeah. And just doing it every time, every class would be awesome. I mean, you're going to really, really give them a chance to be so successful later in life if they can do this. Uh, I have a question about explicit expectations. How do you balance over, over communication? There's no such thing as over communication. What there is, is if you're over communicating different messages, right? So you want consistent over communication because it takes, research says 16 times for someone to actually hear something. Like when I say hear, like it actually comes in and they start to realize, oh, I have to do this. Why do you think you see the same Geico commercials, right? Or, um, my, oh, God, my son, he's seven, walks around the house, goes, liberty, liberty, liberty. Like, he'll just say it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. He's already, like, he's, he'll probably buy liberty insurance when he's old enough. He doesn't know what it means, but he hears it, right? And so it's starting to now create rhythm and tune into him. So if, that's, if that was your question, Jeff, um, that's what I would say, is that you can never over-communicate. It's impossible. Uh, I think schools do a great job of communicating on all these different you know, channels and, and, and ways. And still, you know, parents will say, 
we don't know what's going on. No one ever communicates with us, right? And that's always like the heartache because the school works so hard. They got newsletters and Facebook and this and that. And what I would say, just streamline everything to one place to get there. Yep. Oh, you missed the last three steps. Yeah, Lacey, I'll go back and you'll have this. You know, I'm going to give it to you. So, so this will be in your uh, portal. Uh, but the last, the last three were, um, the last uh, three are inspect what you expect, address the little things immediately, and communicate the gaps between vision and reality. There you go. I just put them in the chat box for you. Sorry about that. Yep. Good. All right especially communicating the gaps. Okay, I think that communication, the gap thing is huge. I, got, I stole that from Michael Hyatt, uh, who wrote a book called um, No Fail Communication. And it's real good. It's real short, easy to read. And, um, and that, was, that was one of the, one of the things he had uh, in there. So, all right. Oh, no. I got to go through all this. Okay, here we go. Okay, so let's talk about, let's talk about emails. Let's talk about emails. Have you ever, give me a, a message in the chat box. If someone actually sent you this email that's on this call, you don't have to do it. You can send it privately. But have you ever received an email like this that all, all that it is is just a link? Give me a yes in the chat box if you've, if you've got an email like this from maybe like a, maybe, maybe it's your principal sending it. Maybe it's someone else. Oh, good. There's still, there's still more stuff coming in. All right. I'll make sure I come back to these comments. Yeah. Okay. From a core. Yeah. Right. This is, this is it, right? It's just, it's just the, just the link. Like, oh, okay. Like, what do I do with this? Obviously, I guess they want me to look at it and then you open it up. Right. And it's massive. It's like, it's a giant article or it's a giant PDF or it just has nothing to do with what, what is important to you right now. So. What about, uh, what about this email? Have you ever gotten this email before? Now this one, you know, it's, oop, shoot. This one here, right? Please register for sessions. Okay, just, just register, I got it, right? This is, is exactly what I'll do. I'm not gonna do anything more than register. I'll never forget during this COVID time when I was working with a school where on a Saturday afternoon, because I was getting the emails from this, from this uh, director, on a Saturday afternoon between the hours of like one to four, I kid you not, I was able to take a screenshot of it and I should have saved it, but it probably would have been too hard to whitewash it. I received, I think it was 11 emails just like this, right? Between these two. <laughs> In fact, it might be from the same thing. Yeah. It, 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 and I was like, oh my gosh, can you imagine on a Saturday afternoon when a teacher is just trying to like, and I just flipped my whole classroom upside down and my principal or someone above me or whatever is like, just has a couple hours in their hands. And they're just like weeding through their emails and they're foraging you stuff or they're finding things. Or maybe they're up late because it's the only time that they can do stuff. E-communication, I believe, is a culture killer uh, in terms of like expectations and, and, um, and really being respectful of other people's time and values. And so one of the things that I've really started to work on is not 
emailing anybody on my team uh, over the weekend or off hours. And I'm going to show you this four-step process that I actually learned from a member of, of our team that's really, really helped me. Um, but getting really about that expectation, I mean, one great expectation to go back to your staff and to your leader is to say, what is the expectation around communicating back to parents or opening emails or, um, you know, whatever that may be? Because I feel as though when you email someone off hours, it all of a sudden creates this expectation, whether it's warranted or not, around, I have to answer that. And some people are so good with respecting their time. And I'm learning from them all, all of the time to try to be better. In fact, I have like 600 unread emails in all of my, and it's really sad and people are probably mad at me, but it's almost empowering because I, I was that person that would sit there for hours and just address every email. So if you're on this call and I haven't answered an email, I will get to it, I promise. <laughs> but it's about really being able to make sure that I can communicate effectively and really focus my time on what's important. Okay, so, so just look at these two things and just remember before you forward on an email, there is a good process that we can follow. I wanna check this uh, chat to see if I missed anything. Uh, that you guys are trying to communicate me to. Okay, yeah, tone. Yeah, tone is loss in E, uh, communication. Absolutely, uh, right? The text and all those other pieces. And, I, and, and recently, I, I think someone that I'm working with closely, I think they use talk to text a lot uh, because I'm finding that, that their messages are not always coherent. Um, so if you are gonna use something like talk to text, right, to save time or to help yourself, just please go back and make sure that you, that you reread it, make sure that it makes sense. And so here's the four-step process uh, that I would recommend when you're doing uh, e-communications. So number one, and this could be even when you're communicating to your students during digital work uh, or your team uh, or anybody, and maybe even that person, right? So the first step is to give a direction, right? To tell them what it is you want them to do in the email. Right? And I'm going to show you um, an example in a second, but what is it that you actually want them to do? Okay. The second one is make it mean something like, like, you know, maybe it's, um, uh, Hey, I was reading this article over the weekend and I know that you have, you know, you want to be an instructional coach one day, or I heard you talking about one day about how you really would like to learn uh, more about digital learning. Right. So I thought this was, um, you know, a good article for you. And specifically, you know, page seven talks about uh, uh, like how to become a coach, right? Or three steps to like improve your classroom digital environment, like whatever, like, like you're really getting to the point around because you want to show empathy around someone else's time. And so being thoughtful in your communication is going to take you to the next level, your e-communication especially. And so in our world of like very fast and like information like this, um, this, is, this is a challenge for a lot of people with all the texting and the very easy, convenient, um, administrative convenient ways uh, to uh, communicate. So here's one that came from my, um, my CFO of, of my company. And it was interesting. I'm trying to remember exactly the book that I read when I learned about this process, and I'll, I'll have to go back through, through my notes and find it. But it was interesting. I was like, gosh, I don't know if I've ever received 
an email or a message that had these four steps and there it was it showed up not 24 hours later because i was looking for it right anything you bring into your universe all of a sudden you'll start to see more of and here it was he said tom and this was about the ppp loans okay so this was about when you know businesses could apply for these loans this is one to watch closely with three lens as a small business owner as an individual with a with a student debt and coaching schools aid to their students and teachers right so he was saying to to watch it closely and to look at it from these three lenses that he knows about me right you know this is someone that i contract with i mean this is not you know you know someone that i've known but he was thinking about me from these three lenses someone who owns his own business someone who has lots of student debt still and and also that i work with schools in particular okay and then there was a link here um, about it and he said then he goes on and say some points of interest right so he goes back as a small business owner and then he puts a point about the student loans and then he even said as more empathy as an employer of the business owner and then he wrote as an individual like he really really sat here and broke it down to make it very relevant to me from all aspects of my life and I thought about, oh my gosh, how much time am I really spending replying to people when, when they really need direction, when their lives are so busy, am I taking the time to point out specifically what it is someone you know, may, may, not should, may uh, you know, benefit from, right? Or how can I make it easy for the people that I lead the people that I work with, you know, you know, the people that I'm helping, right? So, so let's talk about this, you know, framework here and see if, um, how does this resonate with you with this, you know, process? What are some ways that you think um, uh, uh, may help you in, in, in writing more effective emails or maybe even writing directions to your students for their digital work? Uh, the school that I'm working with, that was the number one issue. Uh, we had over 750 parent responses to a survey. The number one issue was confusion, confusion of uh, directions during work. So, so you can either unmute yourself or drop something that, um, in a chat box. But let me know, is this, is this helpful to, to you currently? Or um, go for it. And thanks, uh, Paris and uh, Jay, for the good feedback there on distractions and empowerment. Nothing on the email piece? Oh, here they go. Oh, they're coming in. Okay, good. Yeah. I think it's really important that we just, so, so just think about that, right? When you're overloaded with emails, you know, if remember, connecting occurs on other people's agenda. So if you, it might be convenient for you to send it out fast, but it may not be landing in terms of a connection role. So be very clear about what emails you can answer quickly compared to what emails you may need to have a little bit more of a process. And maybe this is, maybe this is a framework for you, right? So I'll go back. It's, it's give a direction, right? Tell them what you want them to do, right? Make it mean something like, hey, I read this and I thought of you. Or, hey, I think this might, this, you know, uh, strategy might helpful. Um, hey, I noticed that, um, that, you know, little Charlie's uh, three lessons, you know, behind, or I noticed, you know, you know, you're sick. Like, 
Like you're making it mean something back to them and then get right to the point. You know, it needs to be done by here or we need this done or whatever it may be. And, and, and take the time to show the empathy from like from the lens of, of the, of the, of the recipient. It's very easy to just like on my Gmail, I have like these auto responses that I can just like hit a button and it'll just go. So uh, Callie says, I wish everyone showed empathy on emails. Like Lacey said, tone can't be read. So a few words make me know that you're not angry. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, cool. Okay. And just, and just, you know, starting it with, Hey, how are you? <laughs> right. How are you doing today? Yeah, going back to the relational versus transactional piece. Okay, let's, so let's talk. We got about 20 minutes left um, at the most. I'm not going to keep you past it, but let's, let's talk about these two, empowerment versus delegation. So talk to me about what you feel the difference is between empowerment versus delegation. Anybody have any thoughts on those two words? Oh, I love, yeah, uh, Todd said, have I found in clarifying the subject line, the first thing your email sees is your name and subject line, it's critical, yep. Yeah, so that's a good one, Todd. I, I can't remember who it was, but um, we tried this in our company for a little bit. We used to put a little number in parentheses around the subject line, and if it was a one, it was like, needs to be read you know, today. If it was a two, it was, um, uh, you know, um, hey, this is a project we're, we're, you know, working on down the road or, um, or, or had some other, you know, meaning. And number three was just like an FYI, like read it at your own convenience. Um, you know, sometimes like, you know, I may send an email that says urgent in its right. Uh, but, you know, we had a number system uh, internally when, when, you know, when I had a larger team. So I think that's a good idea about you know talking to your team about when do we answer emails i i sometimes even have in some of our schools i i think they're on here uh, um uh, brevard and uh, socrates they have an autoresponder and it says hey i'm i'm working with students right now i answer emails between this time and this time every day and i will get to your email as soon as i can um right but you know but my number one job is to is to um is to educate kids and to really focus my time there. And if you've got, you know, something more urgent, you know, like I have an automatic, you know, calendar thing. So my like autoresponder will say, if you just want to schedule time with me, here you go, click this. If you need, you know, something, you go to our website, you know. So like the more automation you can create in a respectful, but you know, like empathetic way, because everybody loves to save time, uh, but you can almost have like an FAQ autoresponder right there on your email piece, so. I love it. So we got a couple of seats. So, uh, oh, I love this. Empowerment makes everyone feel valued. Delegation is just assigning jobs. Good. Uh, liberty to do with liberty to do with support versus being told to do. Yeah. Empowerment is you give someone else the power, inspire them. Delegation, you're assigning them a task, and one is encouraging to engage. And delegation is telling them to do something whether they want to do it or not. I love. It. Okay, these are these are really great, and I and I really see this as 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 a big difference between playing chess and playing checkers, right? If you're playing, you know, checkers, you're just trying to just move forward and everybody kind of has the same value and you're just, you know, trying to get done. But when you're playing chess, when you're using your team members effectively by knowing what skills uh, and what fills their heart and what strengths that they have, right? If you remember page 17 of your disc, if you were with us, um, you know, for your disc workshop, 
page 17 is your strengths and it's, it, it specifically tells you what you're great at. So you, uh, you know, as a team, you could talk about and, you know, you know, with your leader, what you're great at. And so they, you know, hopefully they can empower you. So what I did is I broke down uh, five levels of delegation versus five levels of, of empowerment. And, and, and so um, I can, I'll, I'll try to, if you would take a screenshot, that's fine, but you know, you'll have this or I'll make sure that I send these specifically uh, in the, in the email on the way back, but delegation, right? Level one is just do exactly what I asked you to do, right? That's the, <laughs> that's that positional leadership. That's like what I'm talking to my son, just do what I need you to do. Uh, level two is to research the topic and then report back to me. What did you find? Okay. What did you find? Level three is research the topic, outline the options and bring, bring me a, a recommendation. Now you can see we're, you know, we're moving down, you know, up the road here, giving me a little bit more power. Uh, level four is to make a decision and tell me what you did. And level five is make whatever decision that you think is best, right? So right now as, as a, you know, an interim principal, um, you know, I'm, I'm most of my time is being spent in like levels three and, and four, um, a little bit of five, you know, uh, depending on how, how big the task might be. Um, and I'm trying not to just tell people what, you know, to do, um, but I want them to feel empowered. So you can like, look at this as these five levels of uh, delegation, as you start to get to level three, four, and five, you're approaching empowerment, right? You're, you know, you're starting to approach it. And I don't know if you've ever seen these, these five, but this is something you, you can use with your current teams, with your staff, uh, with your students, um, with your family. And I thought these were really great. And these came from uh, Michael Hyatt's book too. Now, this is where I would like you to get to and to really start to follow this process. And this is uh, from John Maxwell's, you know, takes you through these five steps to empowerment or really five steps to multiplying your team. So step one is, is I do it and you're watching me, right? So you're modeling the task, like you're modeling the work, whatever that might be. And step two is we do it together. And this is collaboration. We're going to do it um, as a team. Step three is you, is you do it and I coach you. You know, I coach you through the process and this is growth because now you're starting to maybe put your own um, little uh, special sauce on it and, you know, make it a little bit better. And I'm, you know, coaching you through the process. Step four is you do it alone, right? That's full empowerment. And step five is that you go teach someone else and that's multiplying. So remember, a big part of being a leader is to focus your time Focus your time and, your, and, and when you're focusing your time, you're also focusing your communication on, on, on what's most important. And so every day, you should be making a stop doing list. You should have a list of things that, what's something I did today that I don't need to do tomorrow? Whether I could empower one of my students to do it, or I could teach one of my teammates to do it, right? Or most importantly, remember, leading up is a critical part of effective teacher leadership. What's something I could take off of my plate of the principal or the coach or to really help out? Or what's an initiative that I could start to drive myself to really help our school? So it's important to take a look at these two, these five levels of delegation and these five steps to empowerment. And then with that, uh, your other uh, uh, tool and resource that I gave you in, in, the, in the workbook was those, um, that empowerment worksheet, okay? That empowerment uh, worksheet, which has um, those specific 
ways to clarify your vision. All right. And let me, um, I can pull that up to make sure that uh, we can all see it here. So what are your thoughts on, on the empowerment uh, um, versus delegation conversation before we move into uh, looking at this empowerment uh, worksheet? Any thoughts on that? Empowerment gives you the opportunity to see delegation focuses. Yeah. So with, with the ability of using this, this worksheet here, right? This is to set your people up for some real huge success. But it goes back to that, you know, vision. Like you got to know exactly like what would success look like on this assignment or this task or this project or whatever it is that you're trying to get them to do. You know, uh, when is it due and how often is it due? Uh, where might that staff member go for those resources? And I, and, I, and I remembered, you know, I put this step in here because there were so many times that I would empower someone on my team, right? Or, you know, I delegate something to them. But I had so many years of experience of doing it and repetitions of doing it that I wouldn't teach them from step one. I would teach them from like step five. And all of a sudden they would crash and it would burn or it would take too long or they tried to put their own spin on it. And it would just create issues. And then I would just take it back. And I didn't realize that I was actually diminishing my team by taking things back, right? Or just saying, or just I'll do it, right? That's not what they wanted from me. They wanted me to coach them and teach them, but I didn't take them through that full five-step process, okay? So there's a, there's a lot of intentionality around this. And so, so I like writing out the actual responses to really help yourself. So then when you're communicating what it is that you want done, like you're not going to give them the sheet, but you can type it up and you can create systems, whatever it may be. But when you communicate, you can make sure that you hit all these steps, right? Why does it matter? Why is it important that this is done? Who else could be involved with you? And here's some ways that I was able to do it effectively, right? And, and with, some, with some folks, you know, you may need to say, hey, once you get to this step, check back in with me. Let's see where you are because not everybody's going to have the ability. And remember the last thing you want to do is to empower or to delegate somebody with work, but then not, not, um, uh, they actually work on the wrong thing and then they get lost. Right. And then they get really upset, uh, because they've wasted a lot of time. Uh, so here's some tips to have there. So, so take this, take this worksheet. Um, and then here on the back end, right. How do you stay engaged? Right. So, early on in the middle or last steps, right? So where, so where is this, you know, where is this project and where do you need, uh, uh, you know, and then make sure you uh, debrief and then learn how would I do, you know, better or differently uh, next time with this. So, so empowerment track, very instructional friendly for teaching students as well. Model evaluate. Yeah, good. Okay, good. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad that was helpful and be able to get another uh, resource in there for you. So, we are, we, are, we are crushing all the resources, no? We got, we got lots of stuff coming. So we got our empowerment worksheet. So I just wanted to you know, share in our last couple of minutes, uh, this, is, you know, this is an opportunity for you um, to, 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 to really take the next step. I wanna make sure I was sharing the right screen here. Uh, let's see.
we are, you know, we're going to keep on going through here, this communication master series. So, so this is part of it, but in the book, everyone communicates few connect. There's 10 practices and principles. So if you want to continue with a study with us, uh, you know, you can hop into this uh, program that we run. It'll be totally self-driven, but you'll have, um, and you don't even need to get the book necessarily, but you'll learn those 10 practices and principles. You'll have some, some uh, working videos and some things to really improve uh, your, your communication and your practice of, a, of uh, communication. If you haven't done DISC with us, I'm going to give you a DISC profile so you can know your communication do's and don'ts. We're going to keep on building on this um, effective ca communication template uh, packet. And we've got some summaries on our top communication. But here's what I was referring to as well is that, you know, you know, and all these, you know, probably have a value of about four, $400 if you're going to invest um, in yourself. But we're also going to do every Thursday moving forward uh, in, at this time, a one hour uh, live uh, session where we're going to specifically learn from John Maxwell's uh, communication techniques and his speaking from the stage techniques. So then you'll be able to be a better communicator. Um, so that's going to be our our coaching program. So I'll send you some stuff. If you're, if you're interested, if this was worth your time in the hour and 15 minutes that we've spent together, if you think you got something out of this, imagine studying it for an additional 90 days to really improve your communication. And I'll take some you know, questions on that at the end if we have any. So um, last, last two uh, concepts I want to talk about is why most meetings fail. And so there's a lesson in our Teacher Leader um, Academy, if you haven't watched it yet, about how to lead effective meetings. But really, we waste so much time in meetings. I mean, it is unbelievable. And a big reason that we waste the time in meetings is because we're not communicating the purpose of the meeting, the intention of the meeting, and what anybody's going to learn at the meeting, right? There's no agenda. The atmosphere is poor. There's no results. You know, people come unprepared and they're boring, right? They just stink. Meetings stink. There's, there's too many bad meetings out there. So, so you know, if you're in the Teacher Leader um, Academy, you can watch the, the longer lesson. It's one of the lessons you should watch to be able um, to really help your organization this year. I'm just going to hit some top sort of wave stuff. So, again, this is all about communication. <clears throat> and this can come through written communication, through your email or video or face-to-face. Uh, -face. So, understand this, that meetings are expensive. So, right now, there was, I think there was as many as 48 people at one time on this call. So, so you know, everybody has a value. You have a dollar value to you. So if you're going to spend your time in an hour, if you're going to spend an hour doing something, you, you better make sure that it's worthwhile. And if you're a leader running a meeting and you've got 10, 10 or 30 or 40, 50 people in this meeting, you better be really good and make sure that that information is going to get great return for um, investment. And everybody should know why they're in the meeting. Everybody should know more than just the email that I received from my boss why am I here or from whatever? I need to know what is, what is the impact of me being here so I know how this is best using my time. So I really encourage you all to be relentless with your time because it's the only way that we're all equal in life. We only have 24 hours a day and 168 hours in a week. And so we've got to be relentless of how we uh, spend it. So the first one is just setting up the meeting. Why are we here? And then the second one is, What's going to be the ending outcome, right? So at the end of this meeting, what are we working towards? Are we looking for like a specific goal? Or are we going to solve a problem? Are we like just adding to some information? Are we researching? Like what do we aim to accomplish in this meeting? And so this should all be communicated in the invitation to the meeting. 
You heard me, right? The invitation to the meeting. So that means if you're leading the meeting, you've got to do some pre-work before you even invite people to a meeting. In fact, I would encourage you not to attend the meeting if there's not, a, if there's not an agenda. Just tell your boss, I'm not coming. What are we going to do? Tell me what we're doing at this meeting so we can get there. And I know we all, and I'm really bad at this too, I'll just say, hey, we're going to have a meeting, but I don't always tell. So I try to get better and say, here's how to best prepare uh, for this meeting. Now, so setting up the meeting, like how do I best prepare? Like, what do I need to bring to this meeting? What, what do I need to have? What do I need to think about ahead of time? Is there some work I should do prior? Like tell people what to do. So maybe it's read this article, right? Maybe that, maybe that email, that bad email that we saw before was about that. <laughs> it was about, hey, look at this article before you come to the meeting on Thursday, uh, read through it and bring me your feedback, right? So give a direction. What do I need to read? listen, research, and have completed prior. People want to know because nobody wants to look incompetent in front of their peers. They don't want to be put on spot. So you have to, you, it's your job as a leader to, to lift them up, right? The leader is responsible to everybody, but not for the people invited. You're responsible to communicate to them how it is they'll be best. So remember about the expectations. So then if they come to the meeting unprepared, then you could say, we all agreed that we would come to this meeting with our stuff, right? Whatever our stuff was. Uh, Tom, you're not, you don't have yours. When can you have it done by? Great. Uh, tomorrow. We'll see it tomorrow. Awesome. So let's finish our part of the meeting. And then everybody, we're going to meet for 10 minutes so Tom can give us his stuff, right? You're holding people accountable for that next step, right? The leader is responsible to, but not for everybody. And then creating norms, right? What are the expectations for all the meetings? Okay, what norms are set up? How are they modeled and how are they communicated? And, and you gotta validate who's at the meeting, who's around the table. Everybody should be edified of why they're here. You know, Callie, you're here because, because you always bring great ideas and you're always listening. You know, Todd, you're here because you have such incredible, you know, uh, strategic insight. And Mike, you're over here because you, you're just such a people person and we're going we're gonna to really need you to be able to communicate this because you're so good, right? I mean, you know, whatever it is, tell people why they're at the meeting and what they're good at so they feel good. People want to feel good about why they're here. Agree on the agenda. Agree on the action step. Agree who's going to be responsible on the back end and agree to the timeline set, right? So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. You have access to that um, effective meetings. Uh, training. If you don't have access to it, email me and I'll make sure you get it. But the most important piece is this last one. Agree on what it is we're going to address, what are the action steps coming out, who's going to be responsible for what, and when is it all due by. If you did that as a leader in your school, holy cow, people would follow you through anywhere. Give me an amen in the chat box if you agree. Because everybody hates going to bad meetings. Hate it. It's a waste of time, bad meetings. Awesome. Last thing. This is it. We're going to end on this. Memos are for follow-up only. Now, if anybody's seen the movie Office Space, you've seen this guy, you know, exactly. I can't remember his name, uh, but, but he was the boss who would, uh, did you get the memo, right? Memos are for follow-up only. And it was interesting. Recently, uh, in, in, in the working with this organization, um, we had some, some bad things almost happen. And I had to go back to like a person and be like, 
hey, like, why wasn't this addressed? Like, this should have been addressed. Like, we should have known about this before. He goes, yeah, did you get the memo? <laughs> and I was like, I'm not sure what memo you're talking about. And I had to go back and they, they did. They sent me a memo about um, things that they thought should happen. And, uh, but there wasn't like a urgent or read this or action step. It was just a memo. So memos are for follow-up only. Do not send memos as a direct communication to get somebody to do something. Because here's why, everybody. The only people reading the memo are the people that you don't have to worry about in your organization. The only people reading the memo will be the ones that already adhere to whatever the memo's about. And actually what you're going to do is you're going to intimidate and diminish the creativity, the innovation, and the intuition, and the action of your best people. I guarantee it. Because now they're gonna rethink can I do this? Should I ask someone to do this? When what makes them great in your organization is thinking outside the box. So memos are good for follow-up. So you've had that conversation. You've expressed what we need to do. So maybe after the meeting. So maybe there's a memo after the meeting that says, here's what we all committed to. Tom, you're going to have this done by Thursday. Todd, you're going to have that turned in by Wednesday so we can look at it. We're all going to meet here you know, next Thursday at 10, blah, blah, blah. That's the best part of the memo. They are, they are reinforcing the already committed conversation. So, oh my gosh, what did we learn in, 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 in now it's 91 minutes, so I'm over time. I owe you a minute back. We learned explicit communication. We learned how to give feedback. We learned how to, how to, how to lead in a virtual space, how to communicate with clarity, how to strengthen our e-communication, how to connect virtually, and how to not count on memos, and maybe else there was something else uh, that was there. So was this worth your time? I know I took you a minute over that I wanted to, but I would really love for you guys to take that next step. So uh, look for an email that's, that's uh, gonna come to you. If you would like for you or your cohort to join, I'll you know, certainly work on that, but if, but if, you, want to, if you wanna really grow your leaderships, you know, some of you have just asked me, what's the next step after the teacher leader program? Or how else can I improve my communication? Here's a way. And so for the next 90 days, you're going to have, you know, you'll have lifetime access to the content. But for the next 90 days, we're going to study communication. We're going to work towards improving all aspects of our, uh, of our uh, communication through live, you know, sessions. And, but everything will be recorded. And then every week you'll have a new communication leadership lesson dropped right into your, to your uh, portal. So you can study at your own pace and really grow and practice your communication. So this has been an awesome experience. I hope that you took a lot from it. I see some amens in the box. Um, anybody, what questions do you have? And your exit ticket, as always, is to put your action step in the chat box. So tell me what you're going to do after this 91 minutes or 92 minutes we're at now of time spent in communication. What are you going to do to best improve your communication. And anybody can open up in the chat box too and just share it with me, I would love to hear it. I think Lois is calling me. Okay. Uh, be more explicit, lay that vision of what I could like to see, make sure people feel good about themselves. Yeah, that's awesome.
working empowering your teammates. I can't wait. So 